Welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. What's up, Beth? What's up? Oh, I know what's up. I almost forgot, even though we just spent I don't know how long talking about it. But everyone may have noticed a new um, little tune in the beginning of our episode today. And we've got some, you know, a, a custom, what do we call that? Intro? I guess it's intro. Yeah. We've got a yeah, custom it, music. That's what it is. Yeah. We uh, have the Crimes and Closets beat. We do. We have a legitimate, original Crimes and Closets beat. Courtesy of my number one. <laughs> yes. He's Her not really my number one. He's boy. Yeah. The, the oldest. And it's very cool that he was able to figure something out for us and give it a try. And so we're pretty excited about it. So yes. And it's if amazing. If you don't like it, uh, it. then just fast forward. Suck it. Because, <laughs> yeah. Suck it and fast forward because it's going to be on there. <laughs> they like it. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly. Once they know where it came from, they have to, right? Exactly. They would just be monsters if they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. All you normal people listening to this podcast, don't be a monster because you don't like music now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Not the reason, but that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a good beat. So do a little dance. It's very dance worthy. Yeah, exactly. I'm dancing right now and I don't even hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's in your head. It's good. It's in your head. Yeah. We so. also need to update everybody on our status with the Night Stalker. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. we now have watched The Night Stalker. What did you think? Um, That man be crazy. And I know that oh, I knew not. a little bit about him. But it, he was just so, like, erratic. Like, he had no yes. M.O. Spoiler. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you haven't watched it. <laughs> Are you really into true crime if you have not watched it yet? Because we were even late to the game, I feel like. Exactly. That's so true. So just fast forward through the intro because, yeah, that's so – he had every victim ever. Yeah. Like, no – Yeah. Man, woman, mm-hmm. old, young. Also, what a strange-looking man. For like, real, the t- his teeth? Yeah. Ugh, he was definitely born to be – in a mugshot. <laughs> There's just no other way to say it. He yeah, looked the part for sure. I just felt thankful the whole entire time that I was not growing up in the 70s in California. Yeah, no kidding. I kept thinking right? about that because it's all the crazy people. It was like Bundy, Manson, that guy, um, Kemper. Mm-hmm. All of them were in the 70s. Definitely. Had the Golden State it. Killer started then? When did he start? Yes, also him too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was in California at that time. Oh, okay. But yeah, it was a bunch of serial killers just running around, acting like I they know. owned the place. No kidding. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, really interesting show though. Go do the it thing. It was very, yeah. I, t- I would recommend watching it. It was interesting. And also my favorite meme that came out of that show was the one where they have the um, side-by-side mugshot and, or not, I don't even know if it's his mugshot, but it's a picture of him and the sketch of him. And it oh, was yeah. like, no wonder they didn't catch that guy because they look nothing <laughs> really like. different. I thought you were going <laughs> to say it was going to be a side-by-side of 
him and the and Bernie. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> I was like, I have not no. seen that one, but be right back because <laughs> okay, I'm gonna yeah. go like, look it up really quick. <laughs> make that one happen too if it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, we totally can. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So anyway, so yeah. What other news it. do we have? Any more news? It's all my news. No, I don't think so. I it's think, enough. Uh, it's enough for you. Like, yep. That's that's enough. We can just get right right into this one. Okay. So if you're ready for it. All right. So all well, I mean, it's a little bit of news in the beginning, but, you know, it's part of this. So we are currently, because February 8th, as this one drops, um, in the midst of Black History Month. And so throughout the course of this month, we are going to, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, if we ever actually remember to put it on there. Mm. <laughs> I know I do randomly but anyway facebook and instagram will be highlighting our um cases of when the victims were a person of color so check out those just kind of giving a little highlight a reminder when the episode aired and a little blurb about that person and i think kanika was last week you mm-hmm. highlighted herndon yeah and they're in stories so mm-hmm. you have to watch our stories on facebook or Instagram to get to see it. Okay. Yes. Yes. So in keeping with the Black History Month theme and highlighting persons of people of color, I have chosen a case that fits that those parameters. Um, our victim in this case is an African-American woman and her name is Sandra Coke. Have you heard of her? No, but I like mm-hmm. Coke. <laughs> okay, uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I don't it's drink it, though, but I like it. It's my soda yeah. of choice. Yes, mine too, actually. Well, not regular Coke. Coca-Cola. Um, What's that one? Zero. Zero. Gross. <laughs> I can't remember. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'll just regular Coke. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> So this is the case, the murder of Sandra Coke. And unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot of um, information about her and her early life. Um, So I kind of pieced things together based on the research that I did. And so she was born August 2nd, 1963. She spent some of her childhood in Ohio. And I only know that because an interview of a friend of hers from childhood stated that (laughs) But other than that, I did not know, wouldn't have known she was from there. And she, I'm not sure where she went to college, school, all that stuff. And at some point, I know that she moved to California and to Alabama and then back to California, at least based on the stuff that I, and you'll, and I'll kind of piece it all together as I'm going through the story. But that's my belief is that somewhere along the line, she was in California, Alabama, and then California again. And so if I'm incorrect on that, it's because I could not find jack about her before all of this and if you know tell us because we like that for sure like i'm not trying to like report on stuff that you know i don't know about and so if you know something please feel free to let us know and we'll update it but so i know that she was in california in the 90s for work and that she was in Alabama for a year in 1995. And I'm speculating when I say this because I believe she worked for the Federal Public Defender's Office in Sacramento in the early 1990s. In 1995, I know this, she moved to Montgomery, Alabama to work for the Equal Justice Initiative. 
and she was only there for a year. And I only know all this because they posted this like long description kind of of her and once she went missing and all that and just this nice little blurb about her and her time there. So that's the only reason I know any of that. She investigated the life histories of death row prisoners to uncover evidence to help them win new trials or sentence hearings. Wow. Yeah, very cool, I think. And according to her coworkers on a post that they met, this post I mentioned, she was full of joy, charisma, and had an infectious laugh. And this I'm taking straight from the website. I'm quoting it. Sandra uplifted everyone around her. She would hug you, encourage you, charm you, comfort you, or help you whenever it seemed you like you needed it. She was a remarkable human being who inspired people in a way that is impossible to forget. When she returned to the Bay Area to work with the Defenders and continued her work there, we knew that she would continue to do amazing work to help poor and disadvantaged. And she did. So, nice wow. little. And they went into more detail, too. And But, I mean, that was pretty much said it all right there. So, around 1996, she moved back to California, where she, again, I think, worked for the fub- public Federal Public Defender's Office in Sacramento. She lived in North Oakland, which... It's about an hour and 20 minutes away from Sacramento. So, however, which seems a little far, you know, to work an hour and 20 minutes away from where you live. But I'm not sure that it was a major issue only because um, her job consisted of a lot of travel to interview relatives of defendants, friends, and doctors. And so she would kind of travel all over California. So I'm not sure that she was like necessarily traveling into the office every single day. So, because she would have to go all around California and sometimes even to other states to in, to interview people <clears throat> that had relevance to the cases she was doing. So, again, here she was investigating criminal death row cases who were appealing their sentences. And anyone who encountered Sandra had similar things to say that her colleagues back at the Equal Justice Initiative had said and that she had made an imprint on all who came across her and was always willing to lend a helping hand. Totally seems like someone I'd want to be with. Exactly. Greatest co-worker ever, for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Earlier when I mentioned that I was speculating she had worked for the public defender's office in the 1990s, it's because I knew she had been interviewing people for death row cases then. So when when she met, I think that's, she met Randy Alina. I think that's how you say his name. I don't know. It's A-L-A-N-A. Alana, Elena, whatever. Yeah. She interviewed Randy because he was working, she was working on a case for David Manson. Who Have you heard of that guy? David Manson? Yeah. Not no. Manson, Mason, sorry. Mason, oh. my bad. No, neither. So he's a serial killer that was in San Quentin in, in the 90s. Oh. And he, he actually ended up, you know, getting the gas chamber. So clearly she didn't win that case for him, but... Um, gas chamber gosh yeah yeah i believe in 1993 but anyway whoa so she interviewed randy alana or lena i don't i'm gonna stick i would say alana alana (laughs) yeah Yeah? i have a friend who her name is alana and she spells it like that so okay randy lived in the same group home as david when they were younger so that's why she was interviewing randy for that case And it's speculated that Randy and Sandra had some sort of relationship, but it's kind of unclear how long it lasted and exactly when it took place. So after 
she had gone to Alabama and moved back, she apparently got back in touch with Randy and not, I'm not sure if they had much of a relationship then either, but it's believed that she asked him to father a child for her, but he didn't want him involved. Just kind of more like a sperm donor type situation. She asked the serial killer this? No, 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 Randy. Randy is a guy that she interviewed okay. to help the serial killer. I got it. Okay. I'm with you now. Yeah. I was he lived in the group was really going to going to question Miss Coke there. Okay. <laughs> well, you might question anyways at some point, but sorry. So David Mason was the serial killer and she was oh, trying yes. to get him a new trial. And Randy lived with him in a group home when they were younger. So she was like just interviewing everyone from this guy's past. So that's where she met Randy. <clears throat> Got it. So then in 1998, she gave birth to a daughter as a single mother with no father listed on the birth certificate. And by all accounts, people referred to her as a great mom, very protective, attentive, and her daughter was her entire world. So we're going to fast forward a little bit, about 15 years. And in January of 2013, Randy enters her life again. Okay. He had gotten in touch with her and wanted to turn his life around and wanted her help. So here's where we're going to take a pause and talk about Randy and why he needed her help to turn his life around. I was just going to say, where was his life going that he needed to turn it around? So... I had to dig for some of this information because things were stated in articles, but then they never really went into detail. And so you may want to hold on to your pants here, Beth. Oh, God, I'm kidding. He has quite a history. So, okay. So much of a history that it makes me wonder what Sandra saw in him. And you'll be wondering the same thing. The question that you had before thinking he was a serial killer, he's not far off of that. So she must have truly always saw the best in people because... He's this guy's a master manipulator and he did not deserve her. So are you familiar with Megan's law? I mean, I feel like I am, but remind me. Okay, so it's basically a law that the um it requires federal it's a federal law that requires law enforcement to make information public regarding registered sex offenders. Okay, yes. Yeah, so it's like that's the federal law and some states use it as their like state law title, but some don't. Anyway, so according to Megan's, the Megan's Law database in California in 1980, Randy was convicted of kidnapping with intent to commit a specific sex offense, rape, rape in concert with force or violence, and oral copulation. Which do you know what that is? Well, (laughs) yes. Okay. (laughs) Unless you want to say it. (laughs) So... That was in 1980. He was convicted of all of those things. And he was released in 1983. So it doesn't seem like a little bit of a short amount of time for all of those offenses. Yeah, those are some big charges there, Randy. Yeah, me too. Especially since in 1983, he's arrested for the murder of Marilyn Pigo or Pigot. Lots of murder. So we're murdering now. Okay. Well, we'll see. 23. She's a 23-year-old woman who was found in her apartment apartment beaten to death with a hammer apparently oh. randy and marilyn had gone to school together at some point and she hired randy to be her bodyguard while she sold drugs out of her apartment okay and he, yeah mm-hmm. he got mad when she fired him and they're saying that that's this is what they're saying he got mad when she fired him so she he killed her 
He went to trial, and most of the evidence was circumstantial, and they could not definitively link him to the murder. So his first trial ended in a hung jury with a 9-3 to vote to convict him. But his second trial acquitted him. Mm. But convicted him of receiving stolen property, which was a gun from Marilyn that he had gotten from her. So he, he gets convicted of stolen property. That's it in this whole thing. Oh, my gosh. And she's dead. And she's dead. However, while he was in jail during this time in 1984, he and another inmate who were apparently part of the Black Gorilla family prison gang stabbed another inmate because they believed he was a snitch, which now they're saying he was wrong. He wasn't a snitch. But the other inmate that helped him kill this other guy was convicted of the murder. But Randy was only convicted of voluntary manslaughter slaughter and given mm-hmm. six years. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So he's like somehow luck. I don't know. He has the luckiest conviction right here because he's apparently not getting enough time for anything that he's had a had to or do with. getting acquitted completely exactly murder mm-hmm. so after his release he's pretty quiet for a number of years or so we think and then in 1992 he is shot in the head by another member of the black gorilla gang and left for dead when the police arrive they i mean just assume that he's is this dead still he- in jail no, this is after he's out. Okay, so okay. He's released. Say. Yeah, and we don't hear much from him until 1992 when he's gotcha, shot in the okay. head. And the police arrive and think he's dead, and they kind of like shove his body with a foot, and he just murmurs, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Somehow he survives and recovers. Oh, so no, now we're what? back. That's just creepy. I know. No kidding. So now we're back to 1993 when Sandra and Randy meet. And again, we don't have a huge amount of information on their relationship, how long it lasted, except that she had asked him to father the child and who she had in 1998. But in December of 1997, Randy is arrested again for robbery. And then her daughter's born in February of 98. So he's convicted and sentenced at this point to 15 years in prison because of his extensive criminal history. Well, thank you. Exactly. Finally, this guy is in prison for an extended period of time for robbery. (laughs) It's not going to stop him, though. He hurts people in prison, too. I know. And apparently he was, like, kept pretty um, solitary because he had such a history of, like, not you know, of killing people in jail and, you know, yeah, violence. Right. So Randy is released in 2012 and contacts Sandra on, in January of 2013. And this is where their story again begins. And we are about halfway through the story and I haven't even gotten to what I actually wanted to tell you about. So thanks Randy for your extensive history that I had to go over. I feel like no. we should just talk about how that phone call went to when he called her up and was like, hey, remember that one time I gave you sperm? I need your yeah. help. <laughs> right. I need your help now. So how about that? <laughs> Calling in the favor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, after the break, we will get into Sandra and Randy's story. 
Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Here we have Sandra and Randy back in contact again. Again, unclear as to what kind of relationship they have, but speculation on whether she was helping him get his life and there's speculation on whether or not she was getting helping him get his life back together. He states later on that they were romantic and planning to get married, but I'm not really sure that I believe that yeah. being that she knows how much of that history he has and how smart of a woman she is. Like, I feel like she's finally like, no, mm -mm, not going to not go in there. I don't know. Sometimes smart girls like the bad boys. Yeah, I guess it's, but possible. he's really bad. Yeah. He's awful. Awful. Yeah. So Randy got out of prison and according to a nephew, he had picked him up from jail and brought him to a hotel and he wouldn't give him any money because he was afraid he was going to waste it on drugs and had pretty much limited contact with him. Another nephew said he gave him some money over the months, which amounted to about $400. And clearly that's not enough or a lot for someone to live on. And I would imagine he also had some trouble getting employment at this time with his extensive record. So around May of 2013, Sandra's house gets broken into. And the Cocker Spaniel, Gin, her Cocker Spaniel, Ginny, is taken. She suspects Randy has something to do with it. Why, Why not? Why would he take the dog? Well, according to a friend of Sandra's, he extorted $1,000 from her. Basically, like, to get give the me dog money. back? I'll give you the dog back. He held this, the dog for ransom? That apparently is the case. And this friend said she gave $500 to Sandra to help her because Sandra didn't really have extra money like laying around like that to just give him $1,000. So she said she gave her some cash. And after she gives Randy the money, he doesn't give her the dog back. And so Sandra is pissed. So she contacts Randy's parole officer and tells him that she believes he took her dog, stole her car, and her daughter's expensive headphones. And clearly these are actions that violate his parole. And so he's taken into custody and he is held until August 1st of 2013. Still with me? Yes. And I bet <laughs> okay. he is really mad. Yeah. So on Sunday, August 4th, around 8.30 p.m., Sandra heads out to pick out, up a prescription for her daughter, who at the time is 15. She tells her that she'll be home in about 30 minutes a few minutes later, her daughter speaks to her on the phone and Sandra tells her, well, okay, now I'm with Randy and we're going to go look for Ginny and that she'd be back soon, maybe a couple hours. And I'm mm -hmm. assuming at this point, her daughter doesn't know that Sandra thinks Randy was behind Ginny's dog napping because she said that she was going to look for the dog with Randy. So I'm just assuming that she kind of held that information back from her daughter so she wasn't like in the know about does the daughter also know that Randy is her biological father? 
So it's never explicitly like stated. She does testify in a try in the trial in the end, but um, and has gone to other family affairs of Randy's family. So I'm so obviously thinking, yeah. she knows now, right? I wonder if she but did she, then. No, I think she did because she had been to a family affairs at this point for Randy's side of the family. So I think she probably knew. Yes, I would say so. So, so Sandra does not come home that night. And a couple of hours later, a stranger calls her daughter. We do not know her daughter's name. She's even listed as Jane Doe in like the court record and stuff like that. So I don't, Uh, that's why I keep just referring to her as a daughter. Yeah. Um, calls her daughter and says that Sandra's phone had been lying in the street. He just found it lying in the street. And around 1 a.m., her daughter calls the police because she would never leave her all night in general, not even to mention leaving her without even calling her to tell her she's not coming home. And then leave her phone randomly in the road. Right, exactly. So the next day, her Mini Cooper was found at 7.45 p.m., parked about two miles from her home. And immediately, police, friends, and family start looking. And I mean, she works for the federal government. So the feds are essentially brought in pretty much immediately to start Mm -hmm. looking to. Her sister, Tanya, yes, flew in from New Jersey within a couple of days and immediately fears that foul play was involved because this is completely out of her character for her sister. And all of her friends and colleagues basically agree with that. And so they're just plastering posters around the neighborhood and everything. Sandra's daughter used find my iPhone and found her personal cell phone about eight miles from where the other one was found. Oh, so she had two. Gotcha. She had a work phone. So the work phone was the one that was found by this stranger. So then she did the find my iPhone to find out where her phone was like pinging. And it was on one was at the border of Oakland and Emeryville. Did you know hmm, there was an Emeryville? Emeryville. No, I did not. <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> I did. We've taken a picture by the sign, actually, because we've oh, driven cute. in that area. Um, so it was found in the, the border of Oakland and Emeryville, which is not far from where she lives. And then the other one was eight miles. The work phone that was found was eight miles away off the Interstate 80 in, like, Richmond, California. So on August 6th, Randy is taken into custody on a parole violation, so completely separate from this. But they also kind of feel like he's a person of interest. Yeah, they were watching him, right? Yeah. Okay. And initially it was unspecified what parole violation it was, but then later I found that it was he had failed to comply with registration requirements, didn't charge his GPS tracker, and therefore failed to participate in the monitoring program. And when they took him into custody, he was in possession of Sandra's car keys and a credit card, which he stated she let him use the car and told him to go get some money out of the bank for himself, which we all know, a bunch of crap. So on Thursday, August 8th, there's a massive search in Vallejo, California, which is about 30 minutes north of where she lives. And they search the fairgrounds over there and then the next day they scour lakes and surrounding areas and then they move on to a place called Lagoon Valley Park which is in Vacaville Vacaville which is maybe another 15 20 minutes further from her house closer to Sacramento so at this point when I'm reading all of these things I'm super confused because I have zero clue why they are progressing their search 
in this direction, except for the fact that she works in Sacramento. So are they kind of like tracing where, how she would go to work? I don't know. And all they kept saying was that they were receiving information and they needed to move the search. So it was Mm. very confusing as to why they were doing this. So anyway, on August 9th, so they were clearly going in the right direction because on August 9th, a body of a woman was found in Vacaville, strangled to death. And a few days later, on August 13th, the body was identified as Sandra Koch, and she had been strangled so violently that the bones in her neck were broken. Oh, my gosh. So I do want to go back just real quickly to where her daughter used the Find My iPhone feature that led them to her phone. However, she also looked at the history and could see that there was some erratic behavior the night that she went missing, and it was like zigzagging all over the place from Vallejo to Vacaville and back again. And so this is where I realized that the information they were getting was probably from that. You know, that's why oh. they were going there. It was like they were following oh, she was here at this time, then she moved here, then the, the phone moved here, then the phone moved. So I think, I think, it's never stated, but I think that's why they did the search the way they did it. So the search seems erratic because the pings were. Yes, exactly. So, and I mean, I'm not positive, but I, I'm just guessing that that's why they did it in that order. So her daughter clearly learned some of Mama's investigation skills when she did that, and she's actually, I think, credited for like, help getting the search started because she did the whole find my iPhone stuff and whatnot. So the only thing linking Randy to Sandra that night was that her daughter stated Sandra called her and told her she was going to, she was with him searching for the dog. And then there was a couple of other witnesses that said they saw those two together, you know, you know, gas station or whatnot, but there was really no other evidence they knew they could only hold him for about 180 days on a parole violation, so they needed to get their stuff together in order to arrest him. And on October 17th, he ended up getting arrested on suspicion of murder, vehicle theft, and grand theft, and the next day he was formally charged with all of those. November 13th, there was a preliminary hearing, and he was ordered to stand trial And his trial began in March of 2015 and concluded in May of 2015, during which the prosecution presented evidence from cell phone records, surveillance surveillance footage, which shows him in her car buying a beer late the night of her disappearance. Well, that is evidence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's in her car. (laughs) Yes. He has her car and her phone. Yeah, exactly. Two of his former cellmates testified that he had said, although he assaulted many women in the past, things did not look good for him this time. And so they testified against him in the, in the trial. Wow. And there was also a phone call, a recording of a phone call that Randy made to Sandra from jail in May when she reported him to his parole officer. And he ended up in jail from May to like... August, right, right a couple days before she went disappearing and he was filled with rage in this phone call and even said he wished that she would die and then days Wait. after she does and yes exactly and well he made this phone call in May and then he gets released in August yeah and days after she dies so Randy does not deny that this phone call happened because clearly they have a recording of it so he can't but he says that people always say things 
when they are angry that they don't actually mean, which I get. But I'm sorry. When you Randy Alana, <laughs> I think you mean it when you're saying that stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's a nasty man. So a homeless woman also testified that the night of her disappearance, Randy picked her up in Sandra's car and took him to a motel where they both smoked crack and she performed oral sex on him. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So clearly he had got to like, love a random homeless person being shoved in there. <laughs> like, And just in case you wanted a twist, let's talk about this homeless lady. Yeah. And some exactly. crack. So if that wasn't enough, Randy took the case, took the stand in his case, which I don't oh. think that most of the time defense lawyers kind really of bad like, idea. Oh my gosh. It's one of my <laughs> favorite things though. It really is. Yes. <laughs> And I mean, he didn't really do any say anything like that crazy, but okay, so this is what he said. He stated that that night, the two of them followed someone who claimed to have information about Ginny, the dog, which clearly doesn't make sense when she believes he's the one that has the dog, but whatever. So they follow these people that they believe have the dog. They follow him to a crack house in Richmond. So he went into the crack house to smoke. While Sandra stayed outside to talk to these two individuals that had her dog. That you seems, know, and she was just like, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Cool. Go, go, go smoke do some that. crack. Yeah. You're... I'm going to deal with the dog. You just go, just yeah. go smoke it up. Fine. I got this. So when he came out, she gave him the car keys and the debit card and told him to go get the money from the ATM that she would have to give these people to get her dog back. And when he came back, she was gone and he just assumed she was taken and murdered by these two identified people. Oh, okay. So well, then he was you go smoking pick up crack. a homeless lady and smoke some more crack and have oral sex because she's missing and you have no idea where she is. Winner. Like, that's what you do? Yeah. So after all of the testimony and closing arguments, the jury deliberated for about two hours and came back with a guilty verdict. So he was facing 96 years in prison at this point. Whoa. Yeah. No more measly he... sentences now. Yeah, no kidding. You finally did it, Randy. You got it. He was sentenced a couple weeks later on June 18th, 2015 to 131 years in prison. And the judge, right before declaring that sentence, said that he was a black hole that sucks the life out of anything positive. And he also called him a creepy manipulator who told a tsunami of lies. Because he's a piece of... <laughs> Creepy manipulator. Creepy manipulator. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Bye, Randy. So, yes. Finally, Randy has gotten his what's coming to him. But poor Sandra. Oh, my uh, gosh. And her daughter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, like much... you were saying, they credited her for starting the search and jump starting it. And you're like, woohoo, go girl. But then it's like. Right. But you found your mom dead, you know? I mean, yeah. ugh. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. There's. I wonder where she went. Yeah, I tried to find, but clearly because I didn't know. I mean, we don't know her name. I mean, I couldn't find anything about her afterwards. There was a bunch of funds, like, initially set up for her and whatnot, which are all taken, taken down now. But So, I hope that they were able to raise some money for her and so that she could go to school or whatever. But, yeah, I had... I looked for her, but I couldn't find her because I had no name. That so. sucks. Sucks yeah. for her and her mom. Oh, my gosh. It does. 
does. Stay, stay away from late. shady people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, that's all I got. I that was I had my pants still. <laughs> they stayed on my legs. <laughs> Okay, good I feel like um, that was very on a roller coaster ride, though, for sure. <laughs> I said I that on our break. I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> hold up, whiplash!" Yeah, I'm a, I have to go back and wild. rewind and re-listen <laughs> a couple things. Yeah, you got <laughs> sperm donors and homeless people and crack and mm-hmm. dogs yeah. named Jenny. Yes, cocker spaniels. <laughs> well, poor Sandra. May she rest in peace. Did they ever find the dog? That would have been it, a good you know, part of the story if they ever found Jenny. I actually don't know for sure, but I do know that he um, either made a phone call in prison, Randy made a phone call in prison or spoke to somebody in prison. I don't remember what, exactly what I read, but he said something like, ain't nobody going to find that dog. So Ugh, I, he probably rot. did something to the dog too. Because... I'm sure he did. Yeah, so... Terrible, terrible human being. For real. Well, thanks for the story. Yeah, you're welcome. So we will highlight Sandra Coke Mm -hmm. and her heroic daughter that we don't know her name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But shout out on our stories. Yep, we will. This month at some point. So check that out and find us on social media. We really do post good things. Like not to (laughs) brag, but come on. They're funny. I put Bernie in our closet. You need to go see that. <laughs> and he's like bouncing. Yeah, man. He's in his chair having a party in our closet. So you need to check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, most of all, because that has all the things. And you're going to want to check us out because Valentine's Day is coming up. And mm-hmm. we have some new merch in the store that's sort of Valentine's-y, not really, but it has a heart on it. It's really <laughs> cute. Christy just did, finished it today, and it's super cute. So you need to go check out our merch, and we're going to give out a discount code mm-hmm. so you can shop for less because yeah. we love you. Get yourself something or get your Galentine something. <laughs> Valentine's Day is my favorite <laughs> holiday with my girlfriends. I don't really mm-hmm. celebrate Valentine's Day, but I like Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think there's some merit to that, showing your pals that you love them. So do that. Go buy some merch and do that, and we'll give you a discount code, but you got to find us on shows from... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That was French. You have to find <laughs> us on social media to do that. And... <laughs> If you like what you're hearing, give us a rating and a review, a nice review. We like nice reviews, and that would make us happy for, for Galentine's Day. So go do that yes, in French yes, if please. you want, you know, because I speak that. <laughs> so go do that. And always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closet.